for the newest and long-awaited episode of Entertainment Geekly. We're back. It's very exciting. I'm glad to be back. I'm Darren Franich. With me, as always, calling in directly from his offshore bank account, Entertainment Weekly's Jeff Jensen. It's an awfully... Uh, uh, it, it, the, the offshore bank account is... This is just this giant vat, and it's just it's just, just me and, and, and a couple pennies. <laughs> but but fortunately, it's offshore, Jeff, which means that the man can't get to it. That's the important thing. That's true. No one's going to touch these two coins. <laughs> uh, Jeff, it's 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 great to be back. Uh, people have been asking about this. People have been asking all over the internet uh, uh, where we've been. We've been busy. Uh, mainly, we've both been busy recapping a couple of shows. We're going to get to that later in the hour, or or you know how. How many hours this show runs for? But uh, first of all, Jeff, I, I, I want to throw something your way. Uh, I saw a movie last night, uh, a movie opening this week. It's it's a pretty important movie. I, I think it's fair to say this could be the movie that one way or another defines an entire generation. Um, Jeff, I, I saw Twilight Breaking Dawn Part Two in a in a crowded capacity crowd theater last night. Uh, I I I have so many thoughts. That I can't even quite put into words, but I, we've we, we've vaguely discussed Twilight on this show before. But I, I want to just ask you, what's what's your experience of this this phenomenon, this this thing they call Twilight? When and how have we vaguely discussed it? Is it more like like oh, it's it's almost nighttime in New York. It's Twilight. Yes, yes. <laughs> that's the, that's literally the extent that we've actually discussed the concept of Twilight. It, it is. It is. You know, uh, everyone knows that's how we that's how we sign off with every podcast. When you ask me what time is it in New York, Darren, and I say it's Twilight. Uh, no, uh, we we I think vaguely briefly discussed it in our fall movie preview, mainly because I asked you, hey Jeff, do you want to talk about this? And you responded with a resounding no. Um, so I'm assuming that you're on Team Jacob then. Is, is that what I'm, what, I'm, what I'm gathering from that? Yeah, you know, look, if, I, if uh, a sight unseen, and, and by that I mean um, I've only seen about three-fifths of the first Twilight movie, and then that, 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 that's kind of it in terms of my knowledge of the... Um, of the Twilight phenomenon. That said, I I, I feel like I'm Team Edward. I I, I I I'm pretty much opposed to the whole concept of werewolves in general. Um, you don't like werewolves. Well, you and pretty much everybody else, it's very hard to find any popular werewolf movie that doesn't also feature a really attractive vampire in it. Uh, to be honest, Jeff, I, I have a sort of weird history with Twilight, maybe just because I've somehow managed to see all five movies. Uh, well, actually, I guess that's not that weird. These, these movies are very popular. I kind of, when you, when you set aside the fact that these movies are not very good, I, I think that that's... That's fair to say. There's a lot of there's a lot of movies that I like that aren't very good, uh, and uh, so I, I don't hold that against these movies. I, I kind of can't help but find them sort of fascinating. Uh, you know, the it's it's interesting, especially with this this fifth movie, Jeff. I, you know, let me know if I'm spoiling your enjoyment of it. But this fifth movie is absolutely insane. They have a vampire zombie 
uh, sorry, vampire zombie, a vampire human hybrid who, when she's born, is a baby with the most disgustingly digitally created face you've ever seen. Like, it sort of looks like the baby from those old, uh, you know, the the talking baby from those old commercials. Um, you know, this it's, it moves at such a crazy pace. Like, all, all these movies do. Nothing really happens in the Twilight movies. It feels like, you know, you're watching this episode of The Hills that happens to feature, you know, the occasional sort of glowing vampire. And I, I guess really just as an outsider to the phenomenon, I'm just fascinated that they've been so popular. It, it makes me it makes me interested. I, I wish that I could understand, you know, what exactly the appeal is. And I, I guess it mainly does just come down to it's it's something about these characters or the romance or, or, or something like that really just, you know, makes people they, they need to see these movies. They're they're huge events. Um, um I, I would say that it falls under the category of something like that. No, um, uh, you said it. You know, uh, it's either romance or something like that. Um, sorry, my, my pathetic attempt at humor right now. Uh, <laughs> Jeff, we're talking about Twilight. How can you be funny at a time like this? Well, first of all, here's my big question for you, Darren, and 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 this might be um, the the thing that actually gets me into movie theater and watch it, which is. Does the vampire zombie baby crawl out of Kristen Stewart and break her back? Well, this is uh, this is where we're we're delving a little bit into the mythology of it now, Jeff. So the last movie, so some background. Uh, this these last two movies were based on one single book, a book that everyone, even fans of the franchise, agree was really not that great. The first oh, movie, the the first movie, Jeff. This is the plot of Breaking Dawn Part One. They get married. They go on. A honeymoon. They have a kind of silk stockings montage sex. Uh, then she gets pregnant, uh, and then they give birth in this in this sequence that apparently apparently in the book it was much longer. I, I think that uh, our, our own critic uh, Owen Gleiberman has described it as Cronenbergian, which it is sort of accidentally because the way they get the baby out is that Edward, her husband. I think basically bites it out of her. Like he sort of bites her open, then pulls the baby out, and then turns her into a vampire. The fact that this was a PG thirteen movie is insane in some respects. Um, but so no, th- there is no broken back. Unfortunately, there is, however, a birth sequence in a uh, and the way it's shot. Jeff is literally you kind of see Rob Pattinson's face. He he looks at the camera and says like Bella, don't worry, you'll be fine. His face then disappears underneath the frame. There's a crunching sound, he reappears with blood all over his mouth, holding a newborn baby in his hands. That is the scene. <laughs> what? <laughs> no way, that does not happen. That 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 is literally what happens in, in the first part of Breaking Dawn. But this is and this is the great thing about these movies, I I think, Jeff, that I appreciate even as someone who is neither a teenage girl nor someone who was once a teenage girl. They're very strange and, and they feel they feel accidentally strange to me. I mean, you know, I, I think that you and I sort of live in this world of Joss Whedon and J.J. Abrams and, and these people who very knowingly, I think, call up.
up these interesting genre touchstones. Uh, certainly, Twilight is it, Twilight is something that's very often compared, you know, as you know, sort of heavily contrasted with something like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which is nominally better in every way. But there's something very unadorned about the weirdness in these movies that I find so interesting. Even the fact that, um, just to give you some more some more Twilight knowledge here, Jeff, the ultimate villains are this group of Italian vampires who all have British accents led by Michael Sheen and all they do in five movies. These are like the main villains. This is the rough equivalent of, of, of the Emperor in the Star Wars series. All they do are kind of stand and glower and sort of, you know, do that evil Mr. Burns thing with their hands. And that's pretty much all. There's there's not there, there's not really like a final showdown or anything like that. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, well, you know, my, you know, it's, it's interesting. Like, uh, it, it's, I feel like it's something that's pretty easy, uh, to, uh, f- for me to mock. Um, I, 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 I love whenever, uh, a new twilight movie or, you know, piece of media comes out because I believe it gives Clark Collis here at the magazine an opportunity to write some kind of like you know Twilight Haters Club <laughs> website, which I find very amusing to read. No, they're all they're all fantastic. Uh, that, yeah. That said, you know we've talked about it on this podcast before. I think the you know the lamest thing for for to do for me at least is to is to bag on a cult that I just simply don't belong to or understand. Because you know, I, I'm I'm sure I could uh, look into my you know uh, treasure chest of cult membership cards and uh, pick out a couple that people would go, "What you like that?" Uh, <laughs> um, and uh, but you know, I mean, you know, it, like it, the reason why it's hard for me to take Twilight seriously is that you know, I when it comes to vampire romance, you know, um, uh, you know, it's. I get, I got, I've, you know, I, being a big Buffy fan, I just kind of look at this whole thing and I see like, you know, I, I think I've been there, done that before with Buffy and Angel. And so I, 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 I kind of check out on it and, um, I've never had a huge affection, at least for the modern, you know, iteration of vampire. Sure, sure. Twilight and Vampire Diaries and True Blood right. and, and that kind of class yeah. of vampire romance. Yeah. It, it feel, and, and, and I'm too old for it. I mean, it just feels like such a calculated play to a generation, to a, to a demographic that I, I'm just way older than and, 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 and have um, no real connection to. Um, and the other thing, though, is, is that it does feel to me like, you know, it, it's tainted by that kind of feeling of... Um, you know, like Harry Potter, the publishing phenomenon ended, and then everyone needed something to do to fill the void. Like, you know, it's just like, what are we going to do? We're, we're, we're bereft of, like, you know, fantasy, uh, uh, you know, like, like a phenomenon. Right, right. We, we, need this, we need this sort of, like, 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 addictive, published once yearly or so literary phenomenon yeah. that we can read, I can read, my kids can read it feasibly, totally. And I, and, 
in our desperate thrashing to fill the hole that is Harry Potter, we just we we, we just lurched blindly at the first thing that we, we could get our hands on, and it, ha- it just happened that it, it happens to be these books, and she wins the lotto. You know, so like, totally. Well, and but, but to me, that comparison is, is is interesting for a lot of reasons because you know, on one hand, I think that with, with J.K. Rowling, there's always this sense, you know, here's someone who was Oxbridge educated, uh, or maybe not Oxbridge. I I don't actually know what what Oxbridge refers to. She was a British person who was educated. You know, she had this very sort of clear cut, very cohesively plotted plan for the books. And then yeah, you you get to Twilight, where you know Stephanie Meyer, very sort of different backstory in in many ways. I mean, in many ways, almost kind of like you know the polar opposite. This very sort of like happy housewife who wrote these books and then managed to get them big, and very little happens in them. I mean, you know, the Harry Potter books are almost these kind of models of detective fiction in some ways, and Twilight is very much about this more kind of evoking this sort of sensation of teenage love and sort of like angst. It it, it makes for an interesting, and yeah, you you do sort of almost wonder, I mean, I I remember when Twilight first came out, there was this, even more so than now, there was such this sense of like betrayal almost, like, you know, how could could you people who loved Harry Potter love this too? And I, I do think that the two books have the two book series have have more in common than might nece- than, than might necessarily seem to me Jeff this is just further proof that people need to start reading grown up books again <laughs> that's true that's, that's happen yeah. Um, but uh, so, uh, well, well, let's leave Twilight behind, Jeff, and maybe never talk about it again. And maybe that could be the only time we ever address Twilight on this podcast. Um, I want to get into something that's maybe the polar opposite of Twilight. Uh, Jeff, you've been writing uh, the recaps of American Horror Story this season. Uh, this this is a season that I think you know nobody really knew what to expect. Uh, this interesting experiment with regards to taking what we thought was a serialized drama and turning it into this sort of annual anthology series. Uh, the, the second season of American Horror Story called Asylum. We're about five episodes in now. Uh, as, as someone who just watches it each week I find it to be one of the most one of the more giddy experiences I've had with television in a while um, but uh, you know I, I know that you've been quite literally Jeff trapped in American Horror Story land how do you feel about about what the show has done this season you know I really like it um, I, 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 I've been on board with the show uh, out of the gate this season, I, I, I've, I've, I've liked the concept, I've liked the setting, I've liked the characters. Um, you know, I, I kind of feel felt like um, compared to last year, like you know, it was a it, it's a better cast show season. Uh, it's 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 the, the characters are are all sort of uniformly interesting. I don't find like a weak storyline or a weak character in the bunch, um, and I'm I'm very intrigued by it. It's just whole motley mix of sci-fi fantasy elements from aliens to like to the supernatural forces to just you know like traditional crazy. Um, it's it's and and, and Nazis too. Um, it's and 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 Frank. Um, I mean, yeah, yeah. We need we need to talk about 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 that kind of whole sequence because uh, just yesterday there was the conclusion of you know what seems to be almost this sort of mini story arc with with Anne Frank, this this character claiming to be her. I mean, it's something that um, I, I really find that it's almost 
difficult to describe what this season is doing. I mean, it, it is just this incredible cocktail of so many different things. The fact that in a single episode, you know, you have on one hand, Jessica Lang's nun wandering drunk through the sort of dark corners of the insane asylum and suddenly coming across an alien. And then you cut to the nun played by Lily Rabe, who has you know the demon exorcist uh, you, you, you know omen child eyes and who you know keeps being called Satan by all the foreigners inside of the asylum how how do you think they manage to like y- unify all those different things or or you know are, are, are they even trying is part of the fun for you that it's just this wacky combination of everything oh it's it's all about the the socio-political themes that are in the show which I think bring unity to all the disparate storylines. So, um, it, you know, in, in any given week, it's never about one thing, but they end up being these giant metaphors or allegories for, you know, uh, mainstream society's failure to deal fairly and justly with minority groups, with women, with gays, with um, with, 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 other mi- with other minorities, with other religions. Um, it's this... It's 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 interesting that the the, the time and the setting of, of 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 the show is like 1964, so it's a year after the fall of Camelot, if you will. But it's also year one of of LBJ's Great Society, and and none of these things are actually directly, explicitly referenced in in the show itself because. American Horror Story basically takes place pretty firmly within its own the boundaries of its own universe in, in, in Briarcliff Sanitari- Manor Sanitarium, and yet, what well, it seems to me that what 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 you know what's going on it, it's it's thematically it's capturing all these energies of a time when society wants to change or is trying to change as sort of like you know dominant white you know, Christian Catholic culture and all these institutions are about to sort of be challenged by growing counterculture, by the civil rights movement, by the Vietnam War, and by the, by the, women's, by the women's movement. And all of these things, as, as we know from history, are going to have some are, are, are not going to have some are not going to have clean victories and are not and, and are going to have complicated legacies. They're going to get some things accomplished, but other things are going to be left lingering. And 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 and, and somehow this show, in its freaky like fantastical way, captures sort of like for me like is dealing with these energies and dealing with sort of a, 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 a country that's in tumult that's a, and, 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 is, and is about to go any number of ways. But in doing so, it ends up reflecting on our moment and commenting on, you know, like our moment and, and in terms of looking back and saying how much of things have changed, what, what things need to be changed more. You know, one theme that's very clearly on the show's mind is like um, women's rights and equal rights for for gays and lesbians, and 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 you know, from from the marriage issue, from reproductive rights, it's you know, it's all there. It's all in the stew, and it's hard for me to actually 
you know, be any more specific that, but that's what kind of unites everything. Like last night's episode, for example, was, you know, this crazy quilt of like Anne Frank and Nazis and aliens. And like you had Satan possessed Sister Mary running around doing her thing. And you have these creatures in the garden and you have this, this girl like named Shelley who's got her legs chopped off and she's like running around now in a schoolyard somewhere. Um, but 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 what unifies all of these disparate storylines is like this just meditation on misogyny and like um, and, and and patriarchal versus matriarchal and um, and whether or not we can ever you know like accept like women in, in, in authority roles or whether we whether we can accept a sexual woman and 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 and. and all these things, like that's what, that's how this show somehow is, co- is remains cohesive, uh, stays cohesive, is that for all of its crazy surface elements, it's it's very unified on um, on, on on these thematic social concerns. Does that make sense. That that all makes total sense, Jeff. I I almost don't know where to start with with unpacking all of that, but it, it does seem like you know even uh, one of the most interesting things ab- about the show so far is for me the character that the Jessica Lang plays, Sister Jude, I think, right? Sister Jude or, yeah. or Sister Judith. I mean, you know, uh, it's almost crazy to think of how far we've come because once upon a time, you know, we were we were surprised that a character like Tony Soprano would be morally ambiguous but still be the star. I mean, I, I look at her and she's someone who, in a single episode, will do something just so terrible and she'll have that kind of, that really just awesome sneer that Jessica Lange has perfected where she'll basically be saying, you know, I'm going to, I mean, just recently she was talking about uh, castrating one of the main characters of the show and then doing it, you know, within within the bounds of, um, you know, the, the laws of insane asylums at the time. And then somehow, you know, they'll, they'll turn around and there was a great line where I, I, I think she's talking about how her career is finished and, you know, the chief guard sort of put a very fine point on it and said, well, you know, you never really had a chance. They would never accept, accept a woman running this place. And I, I sort of like how, you know, on one hand, you kind of have a lot of the subtle things that you're describing with both the setting and just with these sort of themes. But I also like how, to me, the show has really locked into this idea that, that, that that's always been rooted in horror and in genre in general, which is, you know, you're sort of allowed to have lines like that and you're sort of allowed to put a very fine point on these topics in a way that, you know, a more sort of subtle, safe genre of television wouldn't be allowed to. So, I mean, like, to you, do you kind of feel like going forward is the show kind of as much about what is the idea of this season or what is kind of the central you know series of ideas of this season as it is about which sort of scary setting are, are we going to be taking place in this year yeah i mean you know what what's for for all the talk of themes and politics one thing that it one thing about this season it's it that is very very compelling is that I think that they're very, they are cultivating this idea that something is going on, you know, like, like this, 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 this Briarcliff Manor Sanitarium, which used to be a tuberculosis hospital where thousands and thousands of people died through tuberculosis epidemics in the early 20th century, now being taken over in the past several years by, um, by the by, by the Catholic Church, and is basically now a sanitarium 
which seems to be exclusively occupied by the misfits of society, right? Mm-hmm. And so against this backdrop, you know, so, so, some new new people have been admitted and some strange things are going on. We have this serial killer named Bloody Face that's in, that's, that, that's, that's in the vicinity and seems to have taken interest in the sanitarium. We have this other guy named Kit Walker who has claims that he and his wife have been abducted by aliens and experimented on. And these aliens, in fact, have seemed to have landed and, and, and have taken an interest in Briarcliff. We have this 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 demon possessed nun. In fact, we've been very directly encouraged to believe this demon that is possessing this nun is is Satan, and Satan himself now is in this Catholic sanitarium, and and sh- and he she is pursuing a mysterious agenda. And down there in the bowels of the whole thing, we have this, you know, you know, presumably. I'm open to some twists here, but we've been encouraged to believe that he's this former Nazi death camp doctor who used to do human experiments, and he's somehow been uh, relocated. You know, he managed to escape his fate in Nazi Germany and now hides out in this in in, in, in Briarcliff, and he's conducting experiments on. Uh, uh, still, is conducting experiments. He seems to be chasing after sort of like some solution to end death or end evil, and he's been you know he has these 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 human test subjects that have been turned into creatures that live outside in the garden um, and all this. And all of this is being cross-cut with this storyline that's taking place in the, in the present day um, in which Briarcliff is, is basically fallen into ruin, but the, you know, these two young lovers who are sort of these horror buffs um, um, and, and they're actually newlyweds, um, they, they have come to sort of explore this place and they've they've one encountered a monster that rips off one of their arms, and then two is they've encountered this 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 group of of um, what could only be described at this point right now as this fan club that 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 psychotic fan club devoted to the serial killer that used to be incarcerated at Briarcliff. Bloody face, and and they kill the two young lovers, and we don't yet know what is really why they did that, and if and what if any relationship exists between the story in the present and the past. Zald, I I, I, t- I walk you through all of this, Darren, to say that um, what, what 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 I feel very much so is that unlike last season, where you know, the Harmon family lived at the murder house, and the murder house was haunted, and murder house had secrets from the past that had to be uncovered, and all this family had it, and, 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 and the house was just naturally naturally dangerous, and the family was either going to be killed by the natural danger there or not. Um, and, you know, ultimately, they were killed by it. In this story, there actually seems to be a story a story that is unfolding <laughs> from, the first, from the first episode, where all of these different, like you know, fronts of story, um, I I think are ultimately all going to be interconnected and meet at the middle, where you know something is going on, something is happening, something that I would say is some kind of supernatural event or some kind of like you know like interesting battle <clears throat> is about to take place in the later episodes of this season you know, between the, the, the various sort of like 
um, representatives of each of these fronts, and, and, and something is going to be at stake, and some something like you know the future of you know thematically sort of the nature and the, the soul of the country, if you will. Um, I, so it's all uh, it's all very fascinating to me. I'm, I'm riveted, and I have no idea where it's going. I really, really don't. I just love getting kind of lost in the whole weird, like, morass of it all. Well, and that's kind of what I wanted to ask you, Jeff, because I, I remember when the show came out last year, obviously, at, at the time, we didn't know about it, what we know now, which was that each season tells its own story, but I remember in those first few episodes, the main criticism of the show, which is a criticism that Ryan Murphy, the show's co-creator, has often received, was just, you know, this sort of complaint about what is this show? Where is it going? I mean, you know, there's so much craziness. I think the second episode of the first season uh, featured a home invasion where the entire family got tied up. And I I sort of, I, I felt like by the end of the season... You know, I, I I thought that that first season had achieved just this incredible, swirling, garish pulp insanity. I mean, minor spoiler alert for those who don't want to be spoiled, but that first season does end with everybody in the cast dead. The fact that, you know, I, I, I sort of almost wonder if we're seeing this interesting, almost new paradigm in television. If, if you'll allow me to use the word paradigm seriously, Jeff. Because sure, sure. I, I, I sort of feel like, you know, uh, as, as people who, you know, watched and loved a lot of the shows in what we kind of now call TV's new golden age, you know, shows as different as Sopranos and Lost and The Wire, you know, shows that I, I, I think placed us, we, we placed a certain amount of value on their kind of internal consistency. And I, I think that, you know, with with a, a lot of complaints about all of those shows, and, you know, I, I'd throw Battlestar Galactica in there also, there's this sort of complaint about, you know, where they ended was rather different from where they started and I wonder if you know with American Horror Story even more so this season because you know as as someone who, who, who doesn't watch the story just learn from your description this is just on overdrive every kind of horror thing you've ever seen thrown into the mix here I sort of wonder if there's there's almost a sense that you know in, in order to watch this show you need to kind of set aside that notion of will this all congeal because it's interesting uh, w- what you were saying about how we'll see all these threads come together I sort of realized that you know on one hand I'd love it if they did that and I, I do think that Ryan Murphy and his co-creator Brad Falchuk might have the ability to do that but I also wonder if you know I, I feel like I'd be fine with just this show being a crazy train and every episode you know on uh, in the second and Frank episode, there was this sudden kind of new stylistic thing where whenever you saw the Anne Frank characters' flashbacks, they were shot like a 1960s era TV show, and you know that 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 had some resonance with that particular storyline. But it, you know, it, it just the stylistic insanity of it seemed to kind of come from nowhere. You know, I, I sort of I, I almost put it on you know, as, as a weird sort of grown-up sibling to a show that I like a lot, Adventure Time, which does the same thing with a wide variety of fantasy genres and just kind of throws them all together and, you know, sort of loosely manages to hold them together in a similar way you're describing. That show is all about one boy's kind of slow coming of age. But there's the same sort of sense of, you know, you don't necessarily go to a show like that hoping that it'll be internally consistent and ultimately lead to something. It almost feels like... You know, to me, part of the fun of American Horror Story now is just, yeah, each week I go in, no idea what's going to happen. Nazis now? Absolutely. Great. <laughs> right, 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 right. 
I'm, uh, yeah, it's, uh, um, I, I hear what you're saying, and I, and I feel like I can really enjoy it on, on, on that level. Uh, what, what, when you were talking, what I found myself reflecting on is the differences between season one and season two. And I really enjoyed um, season one probably more along the lines that you're, you're describing uh, in terms of the way of enjoying season two, which is, and 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 you can enjoy it at the same level, which is you kind of take each um, episode as this just wonderfully crazy hour of entertainment, because you will be entertained. Like the, there will be something here that will just freak you out, that'll scare you, that'll make you shake your head, that'll make you laugh, that will creep you out. I mean, it, there, there's such an abundance of just like pulpy, ridiculous riches in this show and each and every week. But I kind of felt like, like for me, that that was the only real way to enjoy last season because see, season one felt like it was just serving you up. You know, what was fun about the show was, you know, there was really, looking back on it, one one real overarching mystery to the whole season which is like, um, you know, Rubber Man, you know, who was Rubber Man and what's going to happen to Vivian's baby when Vivian's baby is born, right? Mm-hmm. And then al- along the way, you know, a lot of fun was had, you know, like you, we unpacked the history of the house, which was a, f- uh, a fun thing unto itself, you know. Um, there were all these people that sort of like came in and out of the house that were interested in sort of like, you know, like, you know, like the, the baby that was going to be born or wanted possession of the house or, or had some kind of tie to the house or were trapped in the house. And so we're interacting with the Harmons. Um, and it was just, and, 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 and separate to all that, it was just about watching this family sort of work out its, its, its issues as a result of that have been created by this man's infidelity. Um, but I don't really kind of felt – but my, my, my big disappointment, if you will, from the, from, from look, uh, of, of, that, of that season was I wanted more overarching, stronger story. I wanted something that kind of started at, at episode one and built – and escalated and intensified and complicated from episode to episode to episode. And I kind of feel like that's what we're getting here in season two. There's much more of that in season two, which for me has lent this feel of, of a season that's more cohesive and focused, ironically enough, for a show that has, for, for a season that has so many more crazy, so, so many crazy elements. <clears throat> there seems to have a drive to it, a purpose to it. And it's, and it's, I think it's just very well mounted. It may have started a little slowly, but I think in, from, from, from retrospect, what we're really seeing is this really wonderful gradual build. And that the past two weeks, this two-parter with Anne Frank has just been a marvelous example of how to take a show up a notch, mm-hmm. you know, um, because the past two episodes have been fantastic. Yeah, fantastic. You know, it's it's. I feel bad. I'm 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 forgetting the name of the guy who directed the second hour that just aired this week. But I was watching it last night, and I mean, it just it, it, the the visual flair of this show I think has just reached such a high level now. I mean, you know, uh, there's there's always this this kind of backhanded compliment that you say with TV shows where oh boy, like you know that episode looked cinematic, and to me it's just what 
they're doing and the wide angle lenses and just the the sets have just gotten so interesting looking now that it's it's you know putting aside just the the the, the kind of interestingly consistently messed up characters it's it's just a real joy to watch it visually i, I feel like you know you, you could freeze frame any moment of it and it would like you know really just be this kind of gorgeous uh, look now right. now, now uh, and, and that that uh, and like I just want to affirm that, and um, and just also add in terms of uh, of, of the directing of, of of that episode, it was just so Hitchcockian in the sense of like the the final eight minutes of that show is this extended set piece in which you know if you haven't been taking this journey yet, so let's not spoil it. Although I, you know, it's funny for a guy, I, I don't mind spoiling anything for people. I, I'm now sensitive about this, but um, the uh, the character that's revealed to be the serial killer, bloody face in the past, takes this other character um, to his home, and, um, and 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 here this character is going to reveal his true nature. But just the build from the from the from from their escape from Briarcliff to to this to to getting to this ha- his house and just sort of the dread that mounts because by this time we in the audience already know that this character is the serial killer bloody face but she doesn't know it yet and so watching this unfold as she comes to this realization of what is happening it was so well acted so extremely successful, and like you know, uh, uh, Zachary Quinto and Sarah Paulson um, are basically running their own two-person. You know, like uh, like they're they're basically you know most of their scenes in the show are just with each other. So they're basically running their own little show right now within <laughs> the show, and they're and and it, and it might be right now one of the best shows on television. Just them. I mean, if you know, right up there with um, with Homeland and 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 and, and uh, oh gosh, the Claire Danes character is named Carrie Matheson. They're, Carrie and Brody, right? Mm-hmm. Like, just like they're a joy to watch, you know, on screen and their and their relationship. Like, similarly, I would take like uh, Quinto and Paulson because their scenes this season, especially over the past couple of weeks. I mean, the the the, the aversion therapy sequence of last. Of, of last week is, is 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 hands down one of the instant classic scenes of this season, and I I, I really hope it gets Sarah Paulson right into some kind of Emmy nomination discussion. You mm-hmm. know, like I mean, it's just fantastic and creepy and weird and infuriating, but awesome. Ab- a- absolutely. Now, uh, my last question with, with this, Jeff, I'm sure we'll be talking about about American Horror Story more going forward. Is uh, you know, I, I've seen like like a lot of theories. We now know who bloody face is in the past do you have any theories about who this bloody face character that we've been seeing in the present day scenes is do you think it's the same person do you think it's someone new do you think those scenes are even taking place in the same level of reality what are your what are your thoughts with regards to the identity of present day bloody face what i love about this show right now is i have it, it, it does remind me of of when Lost had activated my brain so intensely, which is that I don't know, Darren. I have so many theories, <laughs> and 
And one of the things that's actually really interesting, and this might sound ridiculous, you know, given the show, clearly there's some kind of like weirdness going on. And yet nothing has really been confirmed yet. The only thing that's purely supernatural, I think that's been sort of official, that, that we could say is official in the show is, is that something definitely seems to have gotten into Sister Mary. Um, and it's, it's funny that, um, you know, that the show is, is basically going to go whole hog and say it's, it's Satan. Um, but I don't, I mean, I keep on waiting for some kind of like, you know, you know, what I'm really waiting for right now, Darren, is some kind of confirmation of like, you know, yes, this show, this season is really all going to be about some kind of supernatural event that's looming. Um, um, and the, the, the phrase that comes to mind, and this is going to sound insane, is cultural exorcism. That's what I, that, that, that's, I feel like that there's something about Briarcliff that like, like, you know, like some kind of pagan, satanic, occult ritual it can, can be, can, is going to be take, taking place there that could maybe exorcise, like, you know, cultural demons from our country. Like, and that, 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 that's what's, some kind of awful, awful e- evil was unleashed upon our world and, 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 and has corrupted, corrupted the soul of our country and the fabric of our country, like, you know, back in the mid-60s. I think that's what we're going for here. Something awful is going to, is about to happen. And in the present, some effort is going to be made to correct that. Maybe some kind of, like, ritualistic sacrifice to find some way to sort of, like, purge to exercise our culture of, of, of whatever evil was that, that infected us back in the 60s. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's, that's your theory. One of, I think that's, Jeff, can I, can I guess, is, is that theory number like 157 with regards to where the show is going? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, or not, you mm-hmm. know, like, you know, it's, like I said, like, if, uh, Maybe that has maybe I'm I'm also as you know working on no sleep so maybe that theory just kind of came out. Of no 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 I I think that's I think that's great uh, um, and uh, you know I I would encourage all of our listeners definitely check out Jeff's recaps he he tends to work on them for 24 hours straight with with with, with no sleep um, you know you know communing directly with Satan in the process of writing it. We've run out of time, so we can't get to Walking Dead this week. Spoiler alert, people have died and zombies are still around. Uh, But I wanted to say thanks, listeners, for waiting for us. It's good to be back. Check back next week for more fun with Entertainment Geekly. We'll see you next time.